Welcome to the Enigma Hour with Captain Tiki and Captain Dave. Reporting for duty, sir. Yes, you have actually showed up yet again. You keep showing up. I don't want the ship to sail without me. Dave, the ship can't sail without you. Come on, man. We're going to keep this leaky ship on track. Wait a minute, (laughs) that's not quite how that goes, though. No. It's a pretty leaky ship, though. All right, well, you're listening to the Enigma Hours. Hours? I'm, I'm learning hours on KADLP 103.5 FM Sonora. We're here every Thursday, 10 p.m. to midnight. At the uh, corner of Tuolumne County and Wonder. <laughs> Is that the new one? Uh, no, we're still going to explore one of life's little <laughs> mystery. Okay, so lay it down on me again. We're at the corner of Tuolumne and Wonder. That's right. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, uh, what's that signpost up ahead? <laughs> yeah, no. you've entered Tuolumne County. <laughs> That's right. You know, I'll tell you, we should uh, we should edit the uh, the intro to uh, the Twilight Zone. I have it. So I was so inspired by Nimzicon that I started working on our tour guide. Yes, we are working on a tour guide. We call it Weird Tuolumne County, or Weird Weird Tuolumne. And um, and I did. I borrowed from the. I could imagine the opening. So it's like a travel guide, right? So we'll have the pictures of the uh, balloons going over right. the dome. 
picture. And uh, I have this great picture of this like 1920s car uh, parked out so the uh, motorist could look at Table Mountain. Oh, nice. And uh, yeah. it's all about Table Mountain, man. I, you know, they, at one time they kind of considered that like an eighth wonder of the world. They were had postcards and everything, but uh, not anymore. No, it's kind of ignored. It is, and that that's too bad. But we're gonna fix that. That's right. But you know what I you know what I learned from Nim- Nimzicon? Yes, right. it's it's all about Table Mountain. Yeah. Um, so I listened to the debriefing uh, on Walter's channel uh, for the Nimzicon. Yeah. And uh, he said he has to rethink some of uh, his assumptions. Essential assumptions. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, he, he, you know, I talked to him about it. He's he's really rethinking a lot of the Sonora Aero Club thanks to Captain Dave. Well, not, no. just, being in the, just being in the environment and and making suggestions. Yeah, but it's it's like the Mariposite thing. Yeah. But I go, well, is here's a possibility here, and then it is from a different perspective. But if you tell uh, tell the story in a different way, you do create a new reality. That's true. You create a fork. So you fork, Dave. You forked reality. <laughs> I guess I did. You did. You forked reality, Dave. <laughs> I go, this is the place where Peter Menes first flew his arrow goosey. And boom, you forked reality. And uh, uh, by careful reading, the thing is, is you only have so much material available to you. Deschau is the main source. Right. But it's Deschau filtered through Pete Navarro, filtered through Stefan uh, Romano, whatever his name right. is. Right, Steve Romano, yeah. Um, the things that they chose out to say. No, it's true, but but that's true of we all the history. the Dennis Crenshaw novel. Right. There but, were a couple little things P.G. Navarro uh, made because you published one of them. No, I, I, I got the photos of Del Shao's book, and then I republished those because Del Shao's art is public domain. But uh, there was this little thing uh, that actually it was signed Pete Navarro, and then at the bottom it says posted by you. And uh, because he didn't, he was an artist, right? Not a writer, right? But he did uh, have extensive notebooks. Yeah, you got to track those down. Um, have you ever seen uh, his artwork? No. So um, uh, he was going to make a collection of his experiences during World War II. For some okay. reason, that was the time zone that was important to him during his life. Well, I can imagine why. And, well, you know, in, uh, when uh, he w- uh, I think he served in the Army, and they were like in the South Sea Islands and all that stuff. Okay. And then once you pass, what, the equator or something like that, it's like a big deal. Oh, yeah, it's a huge and, deal. Uh, so, I'll tell you a story about Aquavit when you're done with that. Okay, well, it's he just... It's a little mystery. Uh, he was like the cartoonist for... Uh, uh, his branch of the service or something. He made these little certificates that everybody that passed this certain line in the boat got and had little mermaids, little cartoon mermaids. Oh, I think I've seen that. And um, and some of his more serious work, it still has this cartoony kind of flavor, but some of it's really good. Oh, and, no uh, doubt. Um, 
It's all about World War II, his collection that I saw. I might have seen it then. So, uh, yeah, we'll debrief on Nimzicon. So what did you think? I was impressed. Uh, you want to know what? I've never met a bunch of uh, people that were so respectful. Yeah. So, um, and it's funny because, uh, you know, we're talking about uh, an alchemist, a paranormal investigator, a couple conspiracy, conspiracy notes, theorists yeah. and stuff. And... And you know what I found? They're down to earth people. <laughs> yeah, it's like I told you. You know, when it comes to that stuff, it goes one in two directions. They're either way off the rails, like completely off the rails. You know, they, they live in a, a little shack in the middle of nowhere. Or they're very down to earth, nice people. It's one or the other. Yeah, well, even, uh, I guess she's pretty good judge of character. She almost had dinner with us, but Juliet got occasion to meet them. Yeah. And uh, she says, hey, I wouldn't have minded. Uh, they're a nice bunch of people. No, they were a very nice group of people. And yeah. it, a lot of really great presentations. Um, Especially yours. Well. I really enjoyed yours. Uh, somebody else commented, too. Maybe that's why. It's just that they gave me all kind of strokes. <laughs> they did. It's one of life's little mysteries, Dave. <laughs> You did so, a good job. Oh, yeah, I like these people. <laughs> these guys are the best guys ever. Yeah. They stroked my ego. Yeah. Now I'm all happy. Yeah, they like me. They did. And and, and you, you gave a hell of a tour. And I'll tell you, you know, just between you, me, and I don't know, the 10 people that listen to this, you need to do a tour. You need to do a tour on a regular basis for, for the Sonora Aero Club. You know more about the locations and the probable locations of this stuff than anything that I've ever seen. So I'll dress up 1850s. That was I, one of the things yeah, that I, they liked. I think that you should I, uh, do the Mark the, Twain thing. The big mustache. Oh, yeah. No, I think you should do the Mark Twain thing. Kind of kind of dress up like Mark Twain, sort of, you know? Yeah, an aero club guy. Yeah. Although I can't speechify like them. You but, speechify just fine. Uh uh, that you know, they used to go in the bar and drink, and everybody at least once a quarter had to get up and do a proposal for an arrow. Well, and they really speechified, exercised their jaws. Yes. Well. No, I mean, I, I think it, I think it would be invaluable. By the way, you can email Dave at Dave at WeirdTuolumne dot com, and you can tell him all about how you want him to have a tour. Oh, okay. But I really appreciate the uh, Dave at WeirdTuolumne dot com. I really appreciated those people. Yeah, and they were really cool. I kind of hung out with Raphael a little bit. Yeah, uh, interesting guy. Yeah, yes. But you know, one of the things that I liked about it is that a lot of your insights. You know, traditionally, it's been believed that the arrows took off from Sonora or from a uh, Columbia Airport. But there um, were too many miners there. There were too many miners there, but I never thought about that. Until you brought it up. Uh, yeah, they would be most likely in cattle country. Exactly, out by Table Mountain. Um, and you, well, Table Mountain, there are a lot of mines too, but uh, see, this is, when maybe you on the top of it. When you collaborate with people, because right. Walter Bosley kept saying, no, uh, there was something about old Don Page Road Road, out by the old Don Page Oh, right, Road. yeah. And then I started looking it up. And it's a collaboration of people that uh, helped come to conclusions. We put 
We it was a meeting of the mind. It was. That's where the Mariposa thing. They, and everybody had uh, uh, once they saw the lay of the land, they all had their opinion on how it could possibly fit together. Well, I mean, you know, the the supposition that that near Montezuma, that where he took off, Peter Menace took off the first arrow. It's like you've got a pretty decent idea of where he did it. Well, yeah, uh, up the road a little bit. Where, well, he said, I assembled all the residents of Woods Creek. Well, here it is. Here's, oh, yeah, Woods Creek. I'm here's sorry. Woods Creek, the, what was known as the community of. Right. And it made perfect sense because you're sitting right on top of that. Uh, that quartz vein. Quartz vein. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and that's, cool. that's a presentation I did was mapping gravitational uh, anomalies. Yeah, I don't know too much about that. <laughs> I, I do know that when we were at Sedona, uh, we bought these crystals and had to go up to the, where these ley lines met. <laughs> well, <laughs> climbing up this hill. <laughs> well, apparently there's there's there isn't a, a conjunction of ley lines and telluric lines, energy lines. Uh, in near, Sedona? No, near here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what Walter kept saying. Well, and uh, he started refocusing on Table Mountain. I think Table Mountain's the key, actually. And I think the quartz vein is a huge part of it. And and you and I, you know, collaborating and realizing that this mysterious soup that they use to power the things, you know, it's green. Well, what about mariposite? So now you and me, we got to go figure out this mariposite thing. Yeah, well, uh, I'm a folklorist, not a chemist. And I studied anthropology, <laughs> and I'm an engineer. I'm definitely not a chemist, though I got an A in chemistry. Uh, <clears throat> so you, so we're going to try to do a new thing now at the beginning of the show. Don't look at me wide-eyed. What, what new thing? The 14 News. Oh, we, I just had one, though. Yeah, offer. no, no, that's, well, you start with one. You start with one. Uh, it's a, uh, a 6,000-year-old treasure map. Yeah, so it says archaeologists are hoping that an ancient map uh, left largely unsafe for 4,000 years can point them towards hidden secrets of the ancient world. The Bronze Age map, at first look, is just a piece of rock etched with mysterious markings. We love those mysterious <laughs> markings. But it turns out the so-called St. Belloc slab could lead archaeologists to lost monuments in northwestern France. The French, French news agency, Agency France, France Press, reported. Using the map to try to find archaeological sites is a great approach. We never work like that, Yvonne uh, Pellier. Well, the point is, is that X doesn't mark the spot. <laughs> yeah, very rarely. Well, anyway, so there's there's a new ancient map floating around. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool. Super cool, <clears throat> with so, mysterious markings. So yeah. I just want to. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so I wanted to tell you one of life's little mysteries. Our, oh, let's hear. It. So you're talking about the equator. Yeah. <clears throat> so. In Scandinavia, they have this drink. It's called Aquavit. And I'll get some Aquavit someday. And I know you don't drink, but you can try a very small amount because it's an anise-flavored liqueur. Oh, I love that stuff. That's like... Uh, Licorice. Yeah, I know, but I mean, there's another absinthe. Oh, sure. Uh, well, so Aquavit was the Scandinavians' attempt to make vodka, but they couldn't get it right. So they kept trying and trying and trying, and nothing ever worked. So the story goes is that they left a barrel of this, of Aquavit, in the cargo hold of a ship. 
And the ship went down to the equator and back. And when it came back, it was drinkable. I Bare- believe that. Barely. But it's good stuff, but it's very <laughs> strong. It's, it's like antifreeze. Yeah, it's not like I never drank because we used to have these sessions. This guy was obsessed with it. He had a little kit, an absinthe kit. Okay. And uh, no, you start a sugar on fire and they got these little special little screen things they put on top. And uh, Well, Aquavit is not that cool, but it, it is very good. And if you get the good stuff like Alborg, um, on the inside, when you look at the bottle, you see it more as you drink more. But on the inside, it shows you which ship it was the container was on and the latitude, longitude, date, and time when it crossed the equator. Yeah, they use ships to uh, cure the liquor. Yeah, oh, there do. was one story. And they, they've never been able to, they have tried in vain for, for years and years and years and probably more like a century to duplicate the flavor without putting it on the ship, but it doesn't work. That's just like sourdough. Yeah. 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 Um, so I heard this story. They were shipping over grapes to California, and uh, I think it was like 600 different varieties they sent over. Okay. But, you know, it takes months. to. Sure. And by the time they got here, there were 601. And what is it? The Zinfandel or? Something like that. I don't, I don't drink wine. Uh, I'm I not never, a wine guy. I never drink wine. Uh, you know, I, I, I'll have a drink, but it's usually a tiki drink. Okay. Or an atomic cocktail. All right. I'm not quite sure what that is. An atomic cocktail? Yeah. It's these weird cocktails that they came up with in the 50s, and they had to make everything radioactive. Oh, okay. Like, you know, they, they were blowing stuff up. I almost said a bad word. They were blowing stuff up <laughs> with nuclear bombs. In fact, they had this thing called plowshares, where they, the plowshares program, where they wanted to use nuclear bombs, leftover nuclear bombs, since we weren't nuking the Soviets, and they wanted to actually carve a new uh, Suez Canal with nuclear bombs. So one day they said, okay, well, this is a great idea. We're going to go test it. So apparently they they set off a low-yield nuclear weapon somewhere up in Alaska. And it made a perfect harbor. The harbor, I mean, it was circular. It was deep. Everybody's super happy, except it's radioactive for 10,000 years. It didn't work out. Well, I know that's where the bikini came from. (laughs) The bikini atoll? Sure. All right. So, All right, Dave. Lay it on me, man. All right. So, uh, the, okay. So you get the Twilight Zone music on. Do 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 do. Do you want me to actually find it? No, no. no. Oh, okay. The gold. I'll country, have it next week. The gold country is known for its scenic beauty and historic charm, but it's also known for its UFO and Bigfoot sightings, hauntings, buried treasures, and unusual occurrences. Ooh. We invite you to take a journey to explore places and things that do not usually appear on any tourist destination map. We'll be traveling through the unusual. And the unknown. The different and the bizarre. And the strange. <laughs> What's that signpost up ahead? To Wallamy County. You've just crossed over into the other load. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Welcome to the other load. Uh, so, Can so, I do ASR now? Uh, Welcome to the other load, Dave. And it's not just your run-of-the-mill tourist attractions. Tuolumne Hat 
county has more than its fair share of hauntings, but it's not just ghost stories either. Is there a connection between the secret society, the Knights of the Golden Circle, and a missing shipment of gold that was headed for Shaw's Flat in 1850? Maybe. Is there really an alien space cathedral outside of Tuolumne City? Read the book. Are there remains of an ancient civilization under Table Mountain? Could be. Yeah. So. Keep going, Dave. You're doing good. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. Keep going. This is we got be, another hour and 40 minutes to this kill. This is the introduction Keep... for our tour guide. No, I love it. And uh, I want a little sign. Uh, I want the old 20s car and the guy <laughs> looking at Table Mountain <clears throat> and the hot air balloon going over the dome. Um, in the introductory part. We got to get your road sign to the other load. So these are the often overlooked people, places, and events that have nonetheless helped shape who we are as a county. These are the places that residents pass every day, the events that happened in their backyards and about the people uh, who grew up down the street. Uh, we'll, uh, who are actually aliens. Visit haunted hotels, meet unusual people, and explore old historic landmarks. So we'll start chapter one. Let's do it. Dr. Perez Schnell's Cabinet of Curiosities. Your favorite. Uh, it is a favorite of mine. Absolutely. And it's a good introduction because what did he do is collect curiosities. Cu collected curiosities That's and right. catalog them. And it was the most famous one, uh, I would uh, argue, maybe in the nation. Um, yeah. it, it deserved, it ended up being eight pages of Josiah Whitney's uh, Geology of California. But I have a request. Right. <clears throat> when we do this, because everybody, we are literally working on this book. This is no joke. We actually are writing a guidebook to Weird Tuolumne, and we're, gonna, we're setting up a website, the Weird Tuolumne Visitors Bureau. So you can actually go to a website as well and look up this stuff. But the audiobook, you have to read it. You have to be the one to record it because that was good. <laughs> like Just Rod, no coffee. Rod but that, or something. Huh? It was good. It was good. And we have to mention the flood of 1861, 1862 because it wiped the whole landscape away. You know, if you, you know the story. If you wanted to be a scientist back in the old days, you, you became a doctor. A medical doctor. A medical doctor. And that's then, correct. And then you were everything else because you had your basic education. Yeah, that's why even to this day, if somebody says, because it's a bit of a misnomer that, you know, you could have a PhD in, in comparative literature. But if you walk up to somebody and say, well, which you are completely entitled to do, you say, well, my name is Dr. Dr. Bob. They say, oh, and they instantly think you're a medical doctor. But your, your doctorate, your PhD is in comparative literature. So you can't use comparative literature to deliver a baby. No, but this guy But could. you can write about it. But he became a medical doctor because that was the only, that yeah. was the only legitimate that was education the only that yes. you had back then. Just like There Alcon was no doctorate in philosophy. No, well, maybe there was in well, Europe, were, but, but not in the United States. And it, it, it's kind of like back in the ancient times, alchemists and astrologers were chemists and astronomers. Yeah. 
So anyway, he loved being, he was an army field officer, medical officer. Which back then was pretty vicious. uh, But no, he loved collecting geology and looking at the plants and stuff. That's what, uh, that's what he did. He was a geologist. And, uh, Sounds like Dr. Richard Allen Miller. Um, he's a he's. I think he has a medical license. But uh, no one believed with his measurements because that's too much. That's impossible that that much rain fell. And now looking back, so they have computer models, and they computer modeled it, right. and he was totally accurate. Huh? So I want it laid out in a certain way. Of course, here's a good example: the wood ape, North American wood ape. So you have a summary and introduction. Right. That's on like one half the page. And then the other page is kind of a little raised out. So you'd have like a pool of Tom Williams, like the old Miwok storyteller. Mm-hmm. And then you tell the story of the Yaya Lee. So you'd have, to, you'd have an ancient Miwok story. Right. And then you'd have a Gold Rush 1857 story, Bigfoot story. Right. And then you have uh, the 1965 story where they're all running... Uh, the sheriff's department's running and, after the and, ins- and maps and directions so yeah, that now, you can go to those places. Now, here's two different ways to do it. Like Atlas Obscura right. says uh, directions here, and they just give you a Google yeah. map. <laughs> well, I don't like that. But. <laughs> okay, but Maybe on a, the website. In a tour guide, do you want it embedded in each section, or do you want just one big overall map? No, I think that you should do it. With each section where you talk about the bones of the Yaya Lee. And then you put you, directions to the bones of the Yaya Lee. Yeah. Um, and then the Sierra sounds. Oh, yes. And, but like with the UFOs, um, it's, I, I think it should be, you have to have these catchy titles, The Night the Saucers Landed. You know, um, interesting thing about that. So I was a little uh, late in uploading the podcast. And when I did, I said, you know what? Why not? So I added the interview for the night the saucers landed. I put it up there in the, in the podcast feed. That's one thing. um, The um, Nimzikon people, uh, I just, I did a kind of a lame explanation or just the important points. But when you actually hear the guy telling yeah. the first-hand story of a close encounter, that's the third kind, right? Right. And, uh, uh, and then you saw how the story changed. I went 20 years and then another 20 years. And so 40 years it went by and the story completely changed. Well, the basics were the same, but it was a different well, story. What's interesting about that is that it's been being shared like crazy. Yeah, I mean, people are linking to it. They're they're reposting it. They're putting up links to it. So oh, it's, the, it's, oh, okay, I understand. Yeah. So I got to find the Sierra Sounds one now. Okay, well, you uh, um, they're readily available. Yeah, no, I know. Um, so a summary and introduction about um, the uh, UFO phenomena in our county. And then an in-depth study of one of them. See, so that's the way it'd be set up. Sure. So then we go into the books of Deschau, and yeah. uh, then the Sword of Zaragoza. Ooh, tell me about the Sword of Zaragoza. Okay. Anyway, you know, uh, Cinco de Mayo is actually a Civil War holiday. Right. That's why it's not really celebrated in Mexico. 
but where it was celebrated, the first documented celebration of Cinco de Mayo was in Columbia, California. Really? And, uh, oh yeah, more, they got- More of life's little mysteries. They got up subscriptions. They formed these patriotic juntas to get subscriptions, to send money, because they were, California under, uh, when it joined America, it, um, it adopted the Mexican constitution as the California constitution. There was no, this was a no slave state. Okay. And um, those uh, Californios, um, Californians, but they're of uh, Mexican descent, uh, they were very patriotic people. And sure. uh, oh, when uh, they found, uh, so they supported the Union Army. And the war in Mexico, France trying to take over Mexico, um, they were sympathetic to the South. Okay. So when uh, the Battle of Puebla and they defeated the French Army, there was a big celebration in Colombia, California, because these are real patriots. A lot of them served, went and served in the Mexican Army, or the Union Army. And uh, it was a real Union town, you know? And uh, they were, when the, uh, the celebration happened, uh, they were singing when Johnny comes marching home in Spanish. Really? Yeah, shooting off the guns, dancing, th a three-day celebration. And that was the very first Cinco de Mayo in the world. Okay, so anyway, they, uh, General Zaragoza is the one who led the uh, ragtag Mexican army against the superior forces of France and won. Right. So they, uh, they went up and down the mines collecting money, and they're going to make this sword of gold. Okay. Okay? Well, the hilt, you know. The, yeah, no, I get The it. gold. The grip. And, uh, yeah, the grip. And... Uh, uh, we have the order. I mean, of of this. This is what the thing. Yeah, the order. Like. The order form. Yeah, the order. Well, I don't personally, no, but, but I mean, it exists. Okay? Yeah, you can get it. And um, uh, yeah, on one side of the hilt, there was the Mexican um, eagle. Yeah, holding the snake. Yeah, it's a it's an ancient legend. Uh, right. And then you turn the thing over to the other side. And there was the grizzly bear. Interesting. Which is the symbol for Colombia. Sure. And uh, so they they had some kind of place in San Francisco, you know, real fan. It was really expensive. Okay. Thing. It was a work of art and beauty. And uh, it was it went from with armed guard. Wow. Down to be delivered to General Zaragoza. Okay. Um, but you know what happened? is that General Zaragoza died. He went around visiting the troops and caught okay. some kind of septus. And <laughs> got septicemia. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, some kind of, he caught something that somebody had and uh, by visiting too many hospitals oh, and wow. uh, oh, died. Wow. And uh, yeah, he was trying to show his troops support. That's horrible. And, uh, but the sword never made it. The sword disappeared. Okay. Uh, uh, they've, uh, Columbia's contacted uh, Puebla. They're sister cities now. Right. I was there at the ceremony when they... Uh, and they don't have any idea where it went. Yeah. Nobody has an idea where it went. 
You know, I was I was watching the secrets of the the Inca, that Charlton Heston thing. Oh yeah, it's Indiana Jones. Yeah, it, it, it is. Yeah, except he doesn't carry a gun or a whip. But no. But he has the hat. I Everything. always wonder why Indiana Jones wore a flight jacket. Yeah, an E2 flight jacket. Because in uh, the Charleston Heston He's movie, a pilot. He's a stranded pilot, yeah. Yeah. But the one thing that I thought was very interesting is that when he was talking to the archaeologist, <clears throat> the guy said that, that, you know, if you find normal metal or you find stone... It'll like last for a thousand years, but if you find gold, they'll melt it every time. So it's probably been melted down. Uh, one of the uh, people, uh, <clears throat> but it's the lost, the lost sort of Zaragoza. That's right. Uh, yeah, in that movie, there was also Ema Sumac, the yeah. Peruvian songbird. Oh yeah, that was crazy. Uh, and that was actually filmed in Machu Picchu. Yeah, it was weird. I don't think the Charlton Heston part was filmed in Machu Picchu, but they had a guy dressed up like him no, walking around. No, they, they... That was him. That Yeah, they shipped the whole crew. You see how it's kind of cramped? Because those oh, yeah. rooms are little, little. They're small. Yeah. It reminds me of, of uh, Werner Herzog. He made a movie on the Amazon oh, yes. called Fitzcarraldo. Yes, yes. And actually, he made another one called Aguirre, The Wrath of God. You know, Werner Herzog, he made those poor people drag a cannon up the side of the, the Andes because he wanted it to be authentic. You know, there's a funny story, and I'll let you get back to that. Oh. We're tangential. There's a funny story that Herzog told. He made a documentary about um, oh, uh, Klaus Kinski, and it's called My, My Favorite Fiend. And he was talking about this time when he was filming <clears throat> toward the end of Aguirre. There's this part where Klaus Kinski and a couple of the guys are on a raft and they're going down the Amazon River and the raft is starting to sink. And apparently Kinski freaks out and he's screaming at Herzog, I can't swim, I can't swim. And Herzog's like, don't worry, everything will be fine. We're going to keep filming it. We're going to keep filming it, right? And so uh, Kinski ha had a Colt 45. And so he pulls a Colt 45 and he starts waving it around. He goes, I'm going to start shooting you, MFs, because I'm not going to drown. And so he puts the, the, the gun to the horse's head. He says, I'm going to shoot the horse. I'm going to shoot the horse because we're all going to drown because of the Brown, expletive yeah. horse. Oh, the horse. Yeah, so Herzog like talked him down. And as soon as he talked him down, the first thing he did is he took the gun. But he was like waving this Colt 45 around like he was going to shoot everybody on the disabled. Pretty himself. rowdy, huh? Well, Kinski was nuts. Yeah. He so, truly was crazy. That's like John Goodman uh, at the bowling alley in the Big Lebowski. <laughs> yeah. I have a story about that, too. Anyway, all right. Conti so, continue. All continue. Right. Continue. And then I don't know how to separate these things because uh, in like the Atlas Obscura, they have places, events. Uh, uh, people. Well, I would argue you, you're going to separate. You'd separate it by cryptids, UFOs, you know, lost treasures, ghosts. You know, you'd, by big stuff. So the labyrinth. Oh right, yeah, that labyrinth sounds super creepy. Um, Places. Yeah, all you saw was just the. Uh, that's like the introduction for the children. Right. Uh, you got to go across the stagecoach road and start down into that. 
Yeah, that's crazy. I won't go in there by myself. I wonder if it's haunted. I don't know if it's haunted, but it's like a well, it's fairyland or something. We were actually going to film Return to the Labyrinth, uh, where, uh, what's her name, Sarah, or the lead, lead is grown up and has a kid <laughs> oh, right. of her own. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and that labyrinth was perfect. It and is. so um, there's these 60-foot spires that all, like, curve inwards. So once you're in there... Um, you have to climb up to the top of one of those spires to look over and see where you are. So who built it? Nobody built it. What happened is they did hydraulic mining. Oh, it just it's naturally occurring. And uh, they, they washed the soil away to bedrock. Yeah, actually, we were talking about that when we were in Columbia. And the question was that you're looking at all these rocks, you know, down below where you do the gold panning. You're looking at all these rocks. And it was like, well... How deep would you know? It says this was a was a pit. Where's the pit? I was like, you're in the pit. Those rocks, the surface of the earth used to be at the top of those rocks. Right. They've and they've filled in part of it. And in some places, it, uh, those those bedrocks are like sixty foot tall. Yeah, and the, the hydraulic. There's a place. Um, I forget. I think is it jackpot. It's it's near Lincoln. You know, like Auburn. And it's a it's a California State Mining Park, so you can go there and mine. Oh, the hydraulic. Well, it was a hydraulic. The whole area was North Bloomfield. It's it's over by Auburn somewhere. I forget the name of it. I'll find it. But it when you go down there, well, I mean, you can go to the part where they do the hydraulic mining, but where you go where the tailings are, it's at least ten feet deep of quartz because it's all washed out from the hydraulic mining. And when you stand on the overlook and you look down in the valley where they did the hydraulic, I mean, they tore they tore the landscape apart. And that flooded Sacramento. I mean, that just oh, yeah. raised the level of the river and washed everything out. And it was really strange because Lester Lula Robinson, he was the unknown failed railroad magnet, uh, just like one of those Crockers or Stanford's. Right. But he was the guy that made every mistake in the book. Right. And uh, so he not only built the very first railroad in California, it was Sacramento to Folsom. Okay. But he also was in charge of Malakoff Diggins uh, up in North Bloomfield with the hydraulic mining. And he flooded his own railroad. That's funny. Um, not, he, not funny, haha. Funny, sad. So... Uh, in the end, he retired to this place called the Rancho Los Medanos. And uh, the last insult was that, uh, you know, Theodore Judah originally yeah. worked for Robinson, but Robinson fired him. He says, you're not doing the work I'm telling you to do. You're up doing measurements God knows where. Right. And then Stanford hired him, and that's where we get the Transcontinental Railroad. And uh, Robinson fired him, fired the dude. So he made a mistake every step of the way. And then at the very end, uh, Stanford hated this guy. Stanford well, was imagine. a mean old guy. He was. And uh, he... Just like built, John Muir, actually. <laughs> he built the railroad right down the middle of this guy's ranch. That's horrible. <laughs> Sounds like the high-speed bullet train. Okay, but anyway... Go on. All right. Table Mountain. I don't yes. know how to present that. The Table Mountain Places. mystery. Places. Yeah. Yeah, but I know it's got to have a better table than just Table Mountain. 
the Red Hills. I got the Red Hills. Okay. Which is a, uh, people that don't know, it's a... Uh, well, they don't. Serpentine. All of a sudden, you're going down this road, and then you go down this little dip, like a little creek. And then when you come up, you look up, and the whole landscape has changed. The color of the soil is different. Right. The plants and trees that grow there are different. Everything's different. Well, and, and you're going to put Chinese camp in there too, right? Uh, uh, Chinese camp, yeah. I have under it under Dolshow. No, I have it under the um, Tongmores. Okay, because it's also super haunted. Yeah. Oh yeah, it'd be uh, local haunts too. Mm-hmm. Oh, now we got to think about cross referencing. No, no, things. no. We'll just pick one and put it in. Uh, well, just the our. Dave, we're going to have to make a decision, and that's going to be to arbitrarily assign things. And then the Church of the Living Swing, Lord Buckley. Well, yeah, you, anything you do has Lord Buckley in it. Chief Fuller in the Plate of Brass. Okay, tell me about Chief Fuller in the Plate of Brass. Well, you have to get into this clamper mythology now. Well, bring it. All right. And We've I'm got an hour and 20 minutes. Eat clampus, Vetus. <laughs> I'm going to turn down the tiki music. Okay, Dave, lay it on us. Well, now I can't even uh, remember what the guy's name is. He, he wrote, uh, he was like, these are the people that revived the clampers in, in like well, you have the to 30s explain, and 40s. You have to explain the fact that they revived it. Um, you know what? Save it. We'll do a whole show on the clampers. Okay. You can do a whole show on the clampers. Okay, suffice it to say is if you go, this will be what's on the map. If you go to the Tuolumne Rancheria and there's this big rock and embedded in it is this plate of brass. It's smaller than what, you know, I thought. And it's Chief Fuller revoking the claim of Sir Francis Drake who claimed in 15-something, whenever it was, claimed California. New Albion. Uh, Yeah. So it's revoking that claim. So I'll tell you. Why is that there? It makes no sense. Uh, so it's, it's a just long, arbit- arbitrary. It's, a, it's the very, uh, it's a clamper hoax that affected oh. the entire world. I mean, the t- <laughs> that makes sense. A <laughs> guy committed suicide over because uh, the hoax. Uh, well, you know, there there is an interesting thing about Sir Francis Drake. So when Sir Francis Drake landed here, in California, right? <clears throat> you know, he he came here to kill Spaniards, ostensibly. And he comes to the he comes to, to the San Francisco Bay, a little north actually. Uh, there's a place there called Drake's Bay. And he he goes there and he's going to fix his boat and do a bunch of other stuff. And so, you know, he, he goes up and down the coast, he kind of maps it out, and he claims basically everything for the crown. And he decides that in order to solidify his claim, because back then it, it was pretty much like, well, I just claim it. So it is. I mean, you didn't, you know, you didn't have to put a flag. Well, you well had to actually put a flag. he did. That, he, that's the point. He, he put a flag. Yeah. Uh, not a, well, a flag maybe too, but he made a plate of brass. Oh, the one that was washed up on the beach. Yes. Yeah, I know. But that well, it wasn't real. No, it's all fake. It was a clamper hoax. Yeah, even the the one that washed up on the beach was fake. Um, and uh, but there's there is a mystery. 
So he thought, according to the documents that we have, when Drake landed, when he left, because he, he had to go, remember, we didn't have the Panama Canal peoples. So he went all the way down to the Straits of Magellan, which was horrendous. But he went through the Straits of Magellan to get back to the Atlantic. When he left, he thought, well, you know, if I'm really going to, and he was on good terms with the, the, the indigenous people of that area. But he, he said, I'm going to set up a colony when I leave. That way I can solidify that this is ours. And so he set up a colony called New Albion. The problem is, is that in his diaries and in the, the notes from his voyages, the map, a map exists of where he went to found New Albion. But nobody can find it because that map doesn't match anything. The closest they've come is it's somewhere near San Quentin. But nobody knows. And the, the colony vanished. It's gone. So the mystery deepens. Yeah, yeah. Tentacles go out all over. Oh, when it comes to Drake, there, there's, a, there's a whole thing with the Tafa de Danan. And we'll do another show about the Tafa de Danan in, in the Bay Area. And another show uh, <laughs> talking about yeah. this uh, plate of brass. So, so, he, so the, the, even the one in the rock in the rancheria is... Uh, no, it was a message to the uh, UC Berkeley dude saying that the thing you found is a clamps, clamper hoax. That's funny. Not for real. And uh, what was really cool about uh, is, uh, well, it, they had this celebration to go along with it. Okay. And the indigenous tribe uh, hired a Portuguese jazz band and had a hot dog barbecue. And, uh, I like that. Yeah, it's a, kind of a long story. All right, but then, yeah, then you'd have a pullout about who the clampers were. Right. Uh, next to it. And uh, then it's the sage of Jupiter. Uh, Jupiter. Okay. So uh, you know where Jupiter is? The town? Yeah. Sort of. Uh, yeah, well, all I've never it, been there. Okay, so essentially what it is is... Um, it used to be just prospectors' cabins. Okay. And it's a little different now. I, last time I was there, I was visiting somebody. The house was actually kind of nice, but I got totally lost. The guy says, follow the yellow line. And I couldn't understand what he was talking about. And okay. then I looked down, and somebody had painted a yellow line so you could find your way. So it's like these little roads, and they had these minor shacks, and uh, people lived there, a lot of them didn't have electricity, especially back when he was riding. Right. So uh, he was just this old prospector guy living in a miner shack with his three dogs. Okay. okay. But every week, he would write a letter to the editor, to the Union Democrat. Really? And so he became kind of like this unofficial columnist. Okay. You know? And so it's a miner's... Uh, uh, reflections on uh, life, and he was kind of a very eccentric guy. Well, they usually were. And uh, but he was always going to strike it big. It was just around the next corner. Well, that's that's mining psychology in general. I mean, just watch Gold Rush. <laughs> but he kind of became famous because everybody actually looked forward to his weekly letter. It was no, like... I get that. I get that. <laughs> and he would philosophize. Philosophize. Yeah. Okay, and then I started saying, you know, like, uh, uh, 
So like when we're talking about, yeah, there's these cross-referencing things because, uh, you know, those over at Ironstone Vineyards. Right. And that's in Murphy's. Right. And that is uh, Calaveras County, right? Yeah, it's Calaveras County. Okay. But in in their vault, and you can go, it's open to the public, you can visit. Oh, there's right. These gold specimens. Yes. But both of them were found here. That means that they get in the book. Because uh, they're from here. Uh, because uh, they're priceless. If you go there, this is one, like this big fan of leaf yeah, gold. It's, yeah, it's a big fan. And then. Uh, it's crazy. It's huge. Uh, really is huge. 44 pounds. Yeah, I know. Uh, and then it, it says, it says uh, worth, you know, it's a, a little identifier thing. And it says, it actually says priceless. Yeah, you can't, can't put a price on Nothing it. like it has ever been found. But that was before. found in Jamestown. Right, at the Harvard Mine. At the Harvard Mine. Yeah. And uh, across the street from the Harvard Mine, which is also on display at the, um, is a big chunk of gold. It was 22 pounds, I think, something like that. No, but I mean, it was found here, so yeah. it goes in the book. Right. And then uh, local haunts. Oh, yeah. And, and there was just so many. There's so them. many. Oh, my God. So you just do a general introduction you know, kind of an overview. Even the even the the rail town, the station there is haunted. Oh yeah, how was your little tour of uh, the midnight oh, roundhouse? Was, oh, the the roundhouse tales. Yeah, it was phenomenal. Yeah, I wanted to, I want to do the the Halloween one. It's they do a great job over there, and they and it's creepy and it's haunted. Like you hear stuff when you go there and there, it's not the hustle and the bustle during the day when there are all these, when you're there and there's probably only 20 other people in the whole place. You hear stuff. Yeah. Well, I lived there or not in real town, but, no, but I mean, you, you a, hear, you a hear block away. And actually for, for our number two, I have a question about that, that okay. you might be able to answer for me. Well, I don't know. Oh, it's, it's a mystery of life. That's one of the little, and then, uh, and then hollowed ground, not hallowed. Oh, I love hallowed. no, I love the hallowed ground. Yeah, so hallowed uh, ground. I mean, Sonora is so riddled with tunnels and <laughs> mines, know. and um, it's. Uh, I, I was told stories that the everything just started sinking and collapsing, and uh, <laughs> well, I was I was driving I was driving down the street the main street uh, the other day after you were telling me about that and I'm driving and I'm over by the candy shop and I'm driving down and toward the sportsman and I'm thinking how much of this is actually like held up by struts like it, it is it's like these four by four joists right. just holding up the streets the how sidewalks much, I'm driving along I'm thinking how much of this is actually held up by by joists and and four by fours and four by sixes. They were trying to ban the logging trucks because they thought they'd just fall through. That's the wildest thing, though, going because <laughs> it's it's a it's a gold rush town. I mean, it's the streets are not that wide, and it's like you're sitting there behind a logging truck. It's like the logging truck because it that's just the only road. The logging truck is like going through downtown. It's crazy. And they said out there by the high school, they were trying to do some tractor work, and the tractor work fell through. Did it really? Yeah, it was hollow. Well, I saw that there's a there's a an ECV plaque over there for a mine by the high school. Oh yeah, no, that was the site of an old mine. 
Yeah. Some of the structure is actually still there. Really? Um, yeah, it's great stuff over there. And uh, so then I said the Tong Wars, and that would bring in Chinese camp, but then right. the Red Hills, that's Chinese camp. Right. Um, do you know that Tuolumne County has the world's oldest tree? I did not know that. It's I 6, thought that 6,000 years old. I thought that was a Mojave. No, it's uh, the Bennett Juniper. The Bennett Juniper. And it's in Tuolumne County. I have to find it. And um, it's juniper tree. Hmm. Now, they they were having a hard time estimating. You know, they tried doing a corn sample, but right. the middle of it's hollow. Sure. And so uh, they only could go back 3,000 years uh, when they hit the hollow. But they estimated from samples from the other trees around it and the yeah. diameters and stuff of the tree. Mm-hmm. It's also, I think, the world's tallest juniper. Uh, so we have that going for us. And you know who takes care of those growth of trees? No. The league. The league. <laughs> the league of what? Well, that's just what's so bizarre about it. They just call themselves the league. That's hilarious. And uh, yeah, Secret just... societies <laughs> abound around here. You got the Knights of the Golden Circle, <laughs> yeah. which is insane that they they're that's a civil war thing that it, it's well, already civil. Uh, there was a you go oh vet isn't Veterans Day coming up or yeah it's coming up and uh, they have a big ceremony at the Columbia Cemetery for all the Civil War veterans that are buried there. Oh, I did not know that. Uh, they read off all the names. It's probably and they, quite and a they actually lot. get their musket rifles <laughs> and shoot them off. They do Springfield muskets. Uh, so, uh, and then I didn't know whether these are like uh, tourist attractions anyway. It's that's like okay. uh, uh, Mark Twain's cabin. Oh yeah, that's weird. Uh, There's some weird mojo in that cabin. Have you? I mean, when you go there, it has a weird feeling. You know, they used to actually have mules stationed there to add it to the authenticity. No, not anymore. But when you go there, the I don't know, the vibe is very weird there. It is, actually. It, it's, it is really weird. It doesn't feel right. Yeah. Something feels wrong there. Uh, and then also uh, Black Bart, um, it, where they finally caught him was, uh, what's the name? Not Parrot's Ferry. Um, anyway, here in Tuolumne County. Really? Uh, and then Grizzly Adams used to live in oh, Jamestown. Yeah, you told me about that. Okay, the dead giant. Tell me more. Um, it's a tree. Just a st- It's a, a tree. Oh, you know how they have those trees that you drive can drive through? Yeah, there, there's one up. There's one up there that's like a the one that I it's knew, like a gift shop. Uh the, yeah, the one that I knew was like Calaveras Big Trees. Well, there's that one, but up toward Humboldt. Oh yeah, I've been to that one too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like a gift shop in a tree. The the gift shop's about five feet wide, but um, I don't know how. Uh, this one's a pretty big one. I've never I've never driven through one though. I drove through one. I think in Santa Cruz or something. Or yeah, maybe there's in Sequoia yeah. or something. No, I think there's one over there. Uh, but there's a grove of sequoias uh, here in uh, Tuolumne. There's right. a couple groves. Yeah, there's a couple. And uh, there's a famous one that's it's called the Dead Giant because it's just so big. Okay. Um, there is one 
uh, in Calaveras Big Tree, they have that. Oh, stomp. I've seen. I've seen that one. You could have like a band play on it. That they do. And yeah. Yeah. It's a dance. It's a, yeah, they use it yeah, for, for a dances. dance floor. Yeah, that's right. That's how big that it's stump huge. of that tree. And it was such a shame because it was the biggest tree they could find. Right, and they sawed it down. And um, <laughs> yeah, and just peeled off the bark essentially is what they did because they put it on display in New York or something. Uh, somewhere, yeah. yeah. So... Uh, and then I don't know, there's just like, if you heard about the rainbow pool and God's bath. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, we got four minutes to go. So why don't, we, why don't we go to our break and we'll do more of that after. Uh, yeah, because we have to get to um, uh, the submerged cities that we have here. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we'll do that after the break. So we're going to take a little break now. You're listening to the Enigma Hours on KADLP 103.5 FM Sonora. And uh, we'll see you in about 15 minutes. J'ai découvert une partie de moi que je ne connaissais pas. Mon unique plaisir de la vie est de dormir. Tous les autres plaisirs sont dans mes rêves.
about. It was the game that we knew what the KLF was all about. The invitation said, the KLF required your presence. You'll be transported to the lost continent of Mu. Bring your passports, full participation, etc., and all that. After traveling, God knows how long, by train, plane, bus, car, boat, we, we lost all sense of time, and we were told nothing, absolutely nothing. So how can I explain it to you? But as the ship docked, I thought, these guys mean business. The whole thing turned really sinister. I realized, this is no game, this is for real. We have to trust the Kayla, but we're filled with doubt. What are they preparing for us? And why? The lost continent of Mu. It, it really exists. And we're here. Think. I don't know anything anymore. Nobody, nobody will tell me anything. The KLF, they're making these furious secret preparations for something. Something big. Or is it the justified ancients of Mumu controlling them? Why? We feel helpless like lambs being led to the slaughter, but, but obeying is their only hope for freedom. Mindlessly, we dress in ceremonial robes, as ordered, and we accept the contradictions. Like in a trance, without a word, the procession begins towards the ceremonial grounds. I don't know who that guy in white is, but he's not one of us. We've been swept away by a strange force on a procession to the rites of moon. Our isolation from the world we left behind is complete. I now accept the mystery, and my mind empties of clutter, and for the first time, clarity and peace. The fire bonds our newfound unity, and it means, means everything at this moment. But my heart is pounding like crazy as the ritual music gets more intense, and again I wonder why the doubts creep in. I remember what the KLS said about the four handmaids of evil, who, what, where, and what is it, when, and as if to answer my fears, the four angels of Mu rose from the sea. Rose from the sea to protect us. I, I can't believe this is happening. The rites of Mu are in full flow. And we're part of it all. 
the angels have moved, lead us to a staging area. My watch tells me it's approaching midnight, but, but the sun, the sun is still shining on this the longest day. And what is that? A huge, ominous idol with weapons poised stands between us and the sea. Is it good? Is it evil? <laughs> it's too late to care. That's it. The guy in white, some sort of high priest. He's speaking a tongue that, that no longer exists, at least in this world. I know now that soon everything will climax, and what lies beyond is enlightenment or madness. Soon everything will climax, and what lies beyond is enlightenment or madness. Whatever it is, I'm ready. I'll focus the psychic energy towards one symbolic object. It's evil, and it must be burned. taken us here, but the justified ancients of Mubu have delivered us.
Welcome back. This is the Enigma Hours with Captain Tiki Miola Phillips and Captain Dave. He's still here. Can't get rid of him. I'm a permanent fixture. This is my second home, this this bunker. This bunker. (laughs) Although uh, when the zombie apocalypse comes, this is is where I'd want to be. Yeah. I guess the alarm going off at that point won't matter. I know, but you can really, uh, I mean, this is, uh, how thick is this cement? This is a oh, poured, poured building. Uh, yeah. No, it's an, it's nuts. It is a bunker. <laughs> it is a bunker. All right, Dave. So where are we at now? Well, yeah, I was just, uh, oh, we, okay, so uh, we're, uh, creating a guidebook to Weird Tuolumne. Yeah, and by the way, if you have any ideas, uh, that's Dave at WeirdTuolumne.com or Olav, O-L-A-V, at WeirdTuolumne.com. Yeah, uh, uh, things that you think locally are yeah. worthy of uh, being included Absolutely. in this uh, guide. You know, what makes the Atlas Obscura work is the fact that people contribute. And once, once we get the website built, I'm in the process of building it, once we get it built, then, you know, I, I want to have people coming in and adding stuff, especially Bigfoot sightings, UFO sightings. And I plan to have a map where you can see all the Bigfoot sightings and UFO sightings. Uh, yeah, right now they're being collected uh, by Jerry down at the Rawhide Saloon. I say, well, what's the hotline? Where do people call? And he gave me the number of the, the Rawhide Saloon. Saloon. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, that's very Tuolumne. That is very strong, yes. We should make a little trip down there, you and me. On a Friday night, go hang out at the Rawhide. Okay, who's seen Bigfoot? Uh, Well, Jerry said, uh, usually see me there. That's funny. And it it did. One time, um, I was going to give him a a CD of the interview that I did with him and and, uh, the Strains. Bob Strain, and um, uh, I, uh, the guy goes, uh, yeah, just come on in, leave it here at the saloon. He'll come pick it up. <laughs> okay. <sighs> yeah, we need a tiki bar. Okay, so where are we at? Uh, well, you know, and I also thought, oh, so what we're doing is making a tour guide, and here's suggestions. And then we have shorts. Okay. And we have these ones that are chapters. Yeah, you know, uh, but we had these little short, uh, like, um, and and I don't know how obscure a thing that you need to have because you know the um, just interesting the stock say. market barren bull right was well, been documented that Wall Street guy that came up with that notion it was because of the barren bull fights he saw in Colombia. <laughs> Colombia at this time was the second largest city in California. You know, I think, you know what I see those as? I see right. those as like little boxes. Yeah, that's pullouts. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you I'd know, like, like to- you got a section on Columbia because it's haunted. I mean, it's every building, every time I've ever gone there, weird things happen. I've seen people in windows, especially the fire department. I had an interaction with some ghosts on the street where they like blew out a, a light. A street light. 
So right. then you just put in a little little thing down in the corner. What I'd like is uh, at the hotel over there in Columbia. Uh, uh, the hotel's not haunted. It's it was the bed. There were no hauntings, right. so they got the bed in. Yeah, and that's but that's when all the activity started. You know, so that makes for an interesting story. Yeah. You know, what we need here. We need a museum of haunted stuff. From from the area. Did you know they're used to, well, maybe this is tangential. <laughs> well, we already know that uh, at one time, uh, Sonora held the largest collection of UFO memorabilia in the world. Right, you were telling me about that. Uh, it's no longer existent. Uh, but uh, there was a lady down in Jamestown, and she was Weird Wanda, and she made... Uh, Sculptures out of roadkill. Oh, I heard about this. And uh, actually, I bought a uh, ram skull from her because it just had those great big curly horns, sure. you know? Sure. And uh, she was something else, that lady. Oh, and then over on Boxcar Road, there's the the living eye cult thing. Huh? <laughs> uh, we called her the witch lady. What was her name? Uh, but you go, Boxcar Road is where they used to make boxes. Okay. And uh, there's a house there, and you drive up, and there's the big all-seeing eye. Oh, uh, really? And it's just funny to see in the back road of Tuolumne behind the box factory. <laughs> <laughs> it's the all-seeing eye. Okay. Okay, that's Tuolumne for That's you. Tuolumne. And I'd like a little thing on pre-station just because it's there. You can get a good $6 burger. That's been in that same family for like 12 generations. What, what is it? It's the old, it used to be the old entrance to Yosemite. See, everybody heads for Yosemite Valley. Right. That's in uh, Mariposa County. Right. Well, yeah, but part of... But the huge, whole, yeah, yeah uh, the whole high end, two-thirds. Of Including uh, Hetch Hetchy. Uh, yeah, is all in Tuolumne County. Which, by the way... It's not in the Tuolumne County end of it, but at the other end of Hetch Hetchy, or the other end of the pipeline from Hetch Hetchy in San Francisco, there's like a water temple. I love that water temple. Yeah, it's interesting. The Niles, the one in Niles? Yeah, it's It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. I grew up there. I grew up right there at that temple. And it was built like in the 20s or something. Yeah, it's when they set up Hetch Hetchy. And uh, And actually, it's on my list of my backup stuff to talk about. Okay, well, let me hurry up and get No, no, this. don't hurry. This it, is more interesting. And, you know, Camp Mather is uh, owned by San Fr- the city of San Francisco. Right. No, they own a ch- huge chunk of land around yeah. uh, Hetch Hetchy. Yeah, they just claimed all that it's, water it's for their fun- own. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the entirety of San Francisco is supplied by Hetch Hetchy in Tuolumne County. They, they pipeline it all the way from here, yeah, all the way to San no, Francisco. Yeah, they do. And, you know, what's really weird is they're by the water temple that's in Niles, California. And that's where they made all the Charlie Chaplin movies and right. Bronco Billy movies and stuff and like they have that. A the huge, first Hollywood. And they have a huge railroad there, too. Uh, they do have a railroad. Niles Canyon. Uh, Niles Canyon. Um, and it's haunted. Uh, well, I grew up in Niles Canyon. It's, it's pretty some pretty weird stuff. There's a lot of weird stuff. Uh, but, you know, it was, uh, yeah, so we used to take, so you follow Niles Creek and you have the, uh, we called it the secret sidewalk. But really what you were walking on was the big pipe from the Hetchy Hetchy. 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 Yeah. And, uh, but it was based on, 
a system, a water system that was built by the Franciscans when they came in and built Mission San Jose. Oh, why? Wow. Did not know that. Uh, did you know that right next to Mission San Jose, there with the water temple and all that stuff there, yeah. uh, right down the road is a place called Hot Springs. Okay. And it was a naturally occurring hot spring. So the Franciscans piped that into Mission San Jose. And not only was Mission San Jose the largest and most prosperous mission of the entire in the mission system, right. it had hot and cold running water. water. Isn't that something? That's crazy. That is crazy. Uh, so, so, yeah, little... Little pullouts, yeah, little different vignettes. little things. Yeah. Like, did you know the guy who invented the Murphy bed was born in Columbia? I would have thought Murphy's, but... Well, no, and he actually had a ranch, the Murphy's Ranch up in Tuolumne. Okay. Uh, but you know the story about the Murphy bed? No. So anyway... I mean, he, I know what it is. Okay, but... so he moved to the big city. Okay. I forget what he did for a living, but... Uh, uh, you know, everybody lived in like a boarding houses and stuff. I mean, you right. rented a room. And if you're lucky, the room would have a sink, but the bathroom's down the hall, okay? Right. I mean, that's just the way people live. If you're living in the city, you're renting uh, an apartment, a little place. <laughs> Still is. Yeah, I guess it is. And they're getting smaller and smaller. Yeah, or three three nep- grand for a, for a closet. Uh, I'm telling you, my uh, nephew, when he's going to... Uh, San Francisco Arts. Oh, yeah. What's that called over there? The Academy of Art. Yeah, and uh, he was literally living in the closet. That was his room. Oh, yeah. No, there's there's actually an art book. I think it was done by Titian where it's photographs of like these these weird, like you want to say they're apartments, but they're really just basically closets. Um, The people genuinely live in here, L.A., New York. So, so he's Asian, and there, and there was a lot of Asian people lived in the, this place. And the people who lived right, so that one apartment's all students. Right. And then the one right next door, the, the old grandma's out there washing her clothes <laughs> in the hallway with the kids all. And we went and spent a lot of time on the roof. You could really see the city, though, I'll tell you that. Good, good A lot of people do that. So uh, he said he spent a lot of the time on, on the roof. So I got to put in Melvin Belli. <laughs> Melvin Belli? He was born and raised here, and he's was buried he? here. Really? Yeah, and he was not only, I mean, what he's actually known for is the celebrity yeah, lawyer. lawyer. Yeah. That he'd take on Mick Jagger or sure. the guy that he was shot also on, Kennedy. <laughs> he, was, he was also on uh, Star Trek. Oh, he was, yeah, he was a character. That was yeah. the thing about him. He was. He was very strange. And uh, he was a, uh, but he also, he's the one that started consumer rights things. Yeah, he, he was did. real important with that. But I thought the good end to him, yeah, he'd said he'd win a case and then set off a cannon uh, right in his office. You know, so, I mean, with the out the window. I mean, he was like out of, uh, He's a Walt Disney character. Or he was uh, amazing, and he and he's buried here in the cemetery here too. And he was born and raised here, and um, but the old printing office. There's a guy that used to work there. Okay, and he kept seeing Melvin Belli's ghost. Really? So the ghost of Melvin Belli. Got to put that in there. Yeah. 
And uh, oh yeah, then the submerged city. Yeah, you were going to talk about the submerged cities. Actually, there's kind of two. Okay. Uh, one is Jacksonville. Okay. So uh, when they built Don Pedro Dam, right, it's down at the bottom of the water now. Really? Yeah. Whole town. Oh wow. There's actually the town of Maloney's is the same way. It's underwater. Under and the, the Maloney's new, new Maloney's Dam. Yeah. I think that's actually in Calaveras County. It borders right there. Uh, did you know that both the oldest continuously operating saloon and hotel is located here? No. So um, the Iron Door Saloon. Okay. That's in Garrett. Okay. It's now called Groveland. Okay. Um, I've been there. The Iron Door? Yeah. Yeah. So the natural Good cheeseburger. Oh yeah, and I mean, you're stepping back in time. When you <laughs> it is. In it's there. a. It's a. The decor is different. Yeah. It's a. It's a. It's an interesting. People should visit. And that's a kind of a, a, a tight community. They have a little amphitheater. Right. And the guy that used to put on real famous concerts, uh, like you know the big ones, like at Winterland and all that stuff, he lived there for a long time and built that. They actually, they also, if I recall, they have a pretty cool uh, library there. It's like a huge fireplace. Yeah, nice. <laughs> All right, let's, we got to go in the field and check these places <laughs> we do. out. We right? really do. Okay. Uh, I see some road trips in our future. Right. So Garrett is like death by strangulation. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's To the, Garrett someone. Yeah, so it's, uh, so it's the hanging tree should be on the list. Of course. But, you know, I don't Hanging wanna... trees are always... So, when I lived in the Bay Area, I lived in a little town called Martinez. Little being 35,000 people. <laughs> like, seven times the size of this place. But I heard that the place where the hanging tree was was at the end of Main Street, over toward the end where the, the courthouse is. And they had long since taken down the hanging tree. But... Where that was, they had a whole bunch of electric car charging units for like Teslas or whatever. So the story goes is that those units burn more power than any other uh, recharging station in the entire state of California. Oh, because other things are feeding off yeah. that energy? The hanging tree. The, yeah. It was haunted because... I, I mean, thought you went tree. from... They modernized. They went no. from hanging people to electrocuting <laughs> <them>. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Well, those explode, but yeah. Teslas explode. Uh, so, yeah. But yeah, use more power. There are four of them, and they use more power than any other charging station in the state of California. Wow. So we got to think... And there's a shrine... Okay. Uh, uh, Ferrari Shrine. And it's like an old-fashioned Italian shrine that you see off on the roads in Italy. Uh, it's got the little saint in the niche. Really? Yeah. And, uh, and then I wanted to do... Uh, oh, and then there's another uh, submerged. Uh, but this is a submerged mine. Okay. But you don't believe... I mean, it's unbelievable. And it's in Don Pedro. But the water has to recede so much. Right. Um, all those old towns were really visible before this last rain. Yeah. Uh, kind of covered them up. Now we got a good amount of rain. Yeah, we did. Um, it was crazy. Uh, but before then, you could go over those bridges and see, like, the towns. You could see New Melones pretty clearly. 
That's nuts. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's this, I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's, it's over there, Don Pedro, but they consider it Jamestown because it was a Jamestown minus. We were there, Chinese camp, if you just kept going further, but okay. then you'd have to go off on this other road. But um, uh, the old Don Pedro road. Right. And because uh, uh, I, the, the Shamut mine. Okay. And, uh, but it looks like an ancient civilization city. You know, really? it's like, oh man, it, it's great. It's like all flat uh, and uh, in tiers with all these like multiple doors and stuff. It looks like a ruins of like an old ancient civilization. Like Petra. Yeah, they call it the Brutalist Petra. That's okay. what they call it uh, because it's like a modernistic kind of thing. That's nuts. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like masonry of ancient civilizations. Well, I got to see this. Well, it's underwater again. Oh, maybe um, it, it'll. Uh, let's let's not hope the water gets that low again. Oh no, I guess not. Yeah. No. How about the the columns of the giants? Have you ever been there? No. Okay, it's a geological feature. Okay. It is. It's columns. They're columns. Yeah, but it's because of some volcanic. Table Mountain has some of those columns, too, like that. But there's one that's just gigantic. That's why they call it Columns of the Giants. I'll have to check it out. And uh, that's a volcanic uh, feature. So are the Trail of the Gargoyles. Have you ever been on that? No. Cool name, huh? He, he very. And uh, they do, because they have a remarkable resemblance to gargoyles. So... Have you ever been to a place? I've seen gargoyles. Where all the birds congregate? Sure. And uh, I lived in Davis. Kind of hunched over. Oh, yeah. You know? we, we had well, here at the Ravens, the Ravens would be the perfect example. There's all just kind of, because the Ravens just kind of sit there, right. you know, and kind of hunched over, and uh, they, they aren't real active like some birds. And uh, I guess they save their energy or. <laughs> They talk to one another. They, they do. Talk and they remember. Other. And uh, if you kill if you kill a raven, the other ravens know. Oh, I bet. And they will attack you. And did you know their language is regional? I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, a raven, if they're placed somewhere else, they can't understand what the other ravens are saying. That's so it's like a foreign language. That's wild. And But if they spend enough time. Yeah, they, they learn, learn it. They learn the language. Uh yeah, so it's in, it's these weird shaped rocks. Uh, it's up like going towards Sonora Pass. I need to check that out. Yeah, so those are different places you can go. And I, I kind of thought it was cute. This, uh, there's a street called uh, Slumgillion Road. Slumgillion. Yeah. That was Where do not, they come up with this stuff? Oh, that is a name of both a stew and it had... In order to, for it to be Slumgillion, it's got to be have potatoes and carrots. Okay. And then whatever else you can find to put in there. But it's also when they go to wash out their gold, there's this like clay that just sticks to everything. Oh, yeah. And they call that Slumgillion. Okay. And uh, that's where they get that phrase. So what do you think of that list so far? I think it's impressive. Uh, I think we need to add the Fresno Nightcrawler and some other stuff, but yeah, I don't know about those things. Uh, I'll help out. Uh, 
That's our start right there. I think that's a great start. Oh, how about the brethren? Should we have anything about that? Sure. Do you know who the brethren? I do. Yeah. There are a lot of them here. Yeah, they're they're like the uh, Amish, except for they drive tractors. Right. They're they're allowed to use machinery. Um, they can drive cars. So I used to live next. Well, the old Brethren Church burned down. Okay. Um, and uh, but they used to. Be, I, no, not the church. Their their Apple Ranch thing or whatever. Yeah. I, I guess the church might still be there, but I lived right there. Okay. And uh, was it Colt? Colt. Their church is right yeah. there. Right. And they don't do instruments. Right. They do four-part harmonies, man. That's nuts. And uh, it goes all over. Oh, wow. I mean, I'm living, you can't say a block because there's only like. Well, it doesn't work that way when yeah, you're in a rural environment. Right. So it's they the next house over. <laughs> even, even when you go down Sonora, you're like, well, what really constitutes a block? Because yeah. like the streets are like random. <laughs> And then when you get up into Tuolumne and there's like a house here and then down the road a little bit, there's a house over here. Yeah, on the I mean, other how side. do you really? Well, you know, I had a problem the other day. I, I'm, I needed to go somewhere and I come outside and, and there's a big propane truck sitting in my, my driveway. <laughs> and I'm like, why are you here? My propane doesn't come from you. And the guy says, well, this is, this is number, number, number. And I'm like, that's not here. I'm number, 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 number. He goes, oh, well, I went to the end of the street and I couldn't find that one. And I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> it's not here. So he had to turn out, he had to, it's tight. He had to turn around this huge propane truck. Oh, wow. So uh, I don't, when, those, pro, hey, props to the propane drivers, man. I don't know how they get those trucks around here. Yeah, I couldn't even, uh, not only the trucks, it's finding places. Oh, I know. I used to deliver food for the food banks, you know, like to yeah. the uh, EFAP and the senior programs and sure. stuff. And uh, you can't really use a GPS because as soon as you turn the corner, you have to reset it because you're behind another hill. And uh, I had a heck of a time finding some of these oh, houses. Oh, I, I remember when we were looking for a house, it was on this road. And so we followed the GPS and we go to the top of this hill and we get to the end of the road and there's, where's the rest of the road? There's a dirt road that goes over the top <laughs> of the hill and then down and then it's paved again. So the car we were in was only a two wheel drive. So we went down and around and picked it up on the other side of the, the dirt road. That's the way it is. It's the way it is. That's the way we get things done in That's the very right. old land of Oz. Pretty much. <laughs> no, it's, it's unreal. I can't remember what I was saying. That's okay. I forget where I am. Where am I? So I have a question for you. Okay. Oh, and Hill Valley and the DeLorean time machine. Oh, right. Yes. So that would that. tie in with the um, ra a rail town. Yes. And I actually have a rail question for you. Oh, okay. Okay. For rail? For rail. So when I was a kid, there was a story. So there's a place called Byron. I, I, I used to live in Byron. Okay. So you know Byron, Byron Hot Springs? Yeah. I used to work there. Okay. It's it's a it's a totally falling apart now. Yes, it is. And you can't go there. 
Uh, the no, guy, I, you're the right. guy, he sealed it off. You're not, you can't uh, get in there anymore. I've been in that old hotel. Well, you said you worked there. So, um, there's a train track that runs through Byron. Yeah, I think, guess there is. So when I was a little kid, there was a story yeah. of a spectral locomotive that would run down that rail line. Now, like all folklore, I thought... I've, I've heard that story. Right. Most people who, who lived around there have. And it was a full-on spectral locomotive. Like, it wasn't just, like, the, tr- the, the engine. It was the engine, the boxcars, the whole thing. And the story goes is there was some kind of a, an accident there. And so this, this uh, train haunts about a 10-mile stretch, 10 or 20-mile stretch of that rail line, right? And so, you know, when I was a kid, you know, you hear ghost stories and you're like, okay, whatever. You know, it's, it's like the hanging tree in the, the charging stations. I've never seen the power output of those charging stations, but I was told by somebody who had done a lot of research that it was true. So I kind of dismissed the, the spectral locomotive thing, right? Until one day I'm, I'm standing outside my kid's school and I'm waiting in line and I have a friend. And my friend, uh, he grew up around there. <clears throat> he had actually a lot of very interesting stories, but they're all from down there. It's not Tuolumne kind of stories. But he actually saw the spectral locomotive. It went right past him because he was, you know, he was a kid. I think he was a teenager. He was screwing around on the tracks because, you know, no trains really run on that, that route anymore. And so, you know, he's playing around, whatever. And in the distance, he sees the light and he hears the, the horn and he, he's freaking out. Well, that's the thing that most people say. They see the light coming down the track. They see the light coming down the track and they hear the horn. And so he sees it and he starts freaking out. He's like, I got to get off the track. And he's falling down because he's panicking and whatever. He finally gets off the track and runs into the, the brush. And then the spectral locomotive goes right past him. And it's trans, white, translucent. The whole bit. Huh? The whole bit. And it went on and on and on because it had all the boxcars and the caboose. Right. So with the amount of rail stuff, I can't find it. I got a list. That's my, this is my, my. Gosh, uh, I don't know. That was a long time ago. Well, hang on, hang on. I got a list of haunted railroad stuff. Oh, haunted railroad stuff. Yeah. You, you want to know. But there, I could not find anything in Tuolumne County. He's just talking about going on the ghost tour at Railtown. There's no, there no, was no, major no. accidents. Yeah, and but stuff. but in but in in the thing at Railtown, they talk about the station being haunted. No, there was a major accident right. online there. But is is there a spectral locomotive in Tuolumne County? No, not that that I know. Really, with a number of accidents and mishaps, and and th- there was a one engine. That supposedly cursed, that people kept dying. It kept well, what road was that on? I was going to go to this guy's funeral. <laughs> okay. And, and uh, well, I had moved away. Yeah. You know? And then I find out he died. And then I knew, I said, this is the last time I'm going to see this family. I, I knew it. I mean, not just him, the last time oh, I was yeah. going to see him, the last time I was no, going to see the whole feeling. family. And I wanted to go. And I'm going to to it, and then I hit 
like I guess somewhere around Byron or somewhere like that. And uh, there's this guy out in the middle of the road, and he's got like a lantern. Okay. And uh, he's waving it at me. And he actually comes up to the car, and he's dressed like in rain slickers and everything, you know, okay. with a lantern. And he goes, you got to go back. The road's closed. And I said, oh. And I couldn't think. I go, you know, I'm already, I, there was no way that I could make another route and try to go around and make Yeah, a, you can't. Uh, there are a couple roads there. You can't get around it. And you know what? I find out there was never anything that happened there. I mean, it was, why was the road closed? Why was the guy, because the next there was nothing in the news. Uh, the, it was yeah, open the next the day. Because uh, I was driving at night, hoping by the time I got there, I was going out to Palo Alto, actually. Okay. And um, I was going to go like the night before. And I missed, well, that, I missed that, the funeral. That a specter lantern yeah, guy, but that plays <laughs> that plays along with it. I mean, the 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 railroad tracks there are haunted, but they did not mention, especially with that one engine where it, it, it was an accursed engine. Anything they attached to it crashed, burned down, broke. But I never heard one story about a spectral look. I mean, I've got pages and pages and pages of this stuff. But the station is haunted. The roundhouse is haunted. Some of the trains themselves are haunted. Right? The, the one that's accursed, they believe that, that the, one of the brakemen, there was a brakeman that was crushed on that train. Well, you go into like the blacksmith shop and into oh, the big roundhouse. No, it's all haunted. It's all haunted. Uh, like super haunted. And then there's that one little corner. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, that has all those signs to different destinations. Yeah. No, it's super haunted, but there's no spectral locomotive. Huh. You would think in a place like this, there would be a spectral locomotive. So they, you can go online and find lists of spectral locomotives. And Tuolumne didn't make the list, huh? No, I got uh, <laughs> Antioch, Azusa, Bakersfield. Oh, I, can, I believe Bakersfield. Yeah, there are, in, there are a bunch of live in Antioch. Well, Antioch, Byron, that's yeah. all that Delta. Uh, Burbank. So that's the same train. I bet you Antioch and Byron's. The oh, same no, it's the same train. train. Same train track. Uh, Calico, DeVore, Glen Helen, Keene, Lathrop, Lone Pine, Long Beach, Los Angeles, Niles. Oh, yeah, Niles. The White Witch. Oh, yeah, they, oh no, yeah, the White Witch. Yeah, the White Witch. Orange County. San Juan Capistrano, Santa Clarita, Spreckles, and that's it. Yeah, Niles. I mean, had, here's another one, Tonopah to Goldfield. Niles had a um, Gravity Hill, too. So does Antioch. Antioch. Yeah, or Antioch, I mean. Yeah, Antioch. They, they, actually, they actually put up barricades, so you can't do it anymore. My brother used to take me on that. Oh, yeah, I used to go out there. No, there's nothing. There's nothing. Wow. Oh, we need to put it on the map. Well, I mean, we need to find out if there is one. I mean, there, there has to be one. With the amount of rail activity here, there has to be one. And you know... Uh, but I thought you were my best bet. Sorry. You I thought me. you were telling... I go, oh, man, I got the answer to this question because I lived in Byron. Byron was nothing 
Byron is still nothing. Uh, they, <laughs> I actually, There's a gas station. <laughs> I actually lived in the an old church. Oh, I believe and, it. Um, it's it's a it's a it. There isn't a lot there. It was just like a one block town. But no, they built housing and stuff. Well, there's houses, that. but there's no inf- there's no Byron. Byron's well, back like then a, it was just empty fields. Yeah, no, it's still a mostly Grange Hall, a church. It's and still a couple other buildings. No, it's still mostly just fields. The houses are around it. I mean, there's an airport. Uh, you know, Jack London worked at that hot springs. He wrote a novel, Martin Eden, about the Byron Hot Springs. I've been to Jack London's house, the one that, that burned the down. The Wolf House. Yeah, know. the Wolf House. That place is weird. And uh, it is weird. It is super weird. And it's beautiful, but very strange. Other way he had it constructed. Oh, yeah. And the fact that, like, just as they finished building it, it burned down. Well, he was really politically active. Yeah. Uh, he was a socialist. Yeah. But then they used, haven't you ever, they get that wood and they squirt it down in gasoline as a mm-hmm. finish. So that's what they think it might have started the fire. <clears throat> but the little house that's next to it, where they actually Charmaine's live. Cottage. Yeah. That, that place is cool, too. Yeah. Valley of the Moon. But no, there there's nothing. In fact, even... Even Railtown should have been on this list, but it's not. Yeah, because it's the, uh, like, the, everything's the oldest up here. The oldest continually operated roundhouse. All the others were abandoned and dismantled. But because of the interest of the movie industry. Right, they kept it. kept that alive. And, mm. uh, kept that, the trains alive, too. That, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Uh, and kept the old roundhouse working. Yeah, because like if you go to Sacramento, you go to the train museum. They have a train that operates, but it doesn't go very far. Uh, and they're the same. Uh, the they're Sacramento, the same now. Uh, yeah, I they're mean, like associated. Yeah. Uh, the Starlight tours that they're doing, the Skeletons the, Starlight tours. Well, that's a, that's the next one. Yeah, I I did the Tales of the Haunted Roundhouse. I think yeah, and that one's for adults only. They weren't supposed yeah, to take your kids. Not the Tales of the Roundhouse. That's for kids. Oh, I thought it says After Dark, and it's a little too scary for. No, the I think that's ones. a skeleton one. No, that, oh well, okay. Uh, well, I took I yeah, took a kids skeleton on it. crew. I took kids on it. Oh, they yeah, enjoyed it. Those are teenage kids. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> They're about, teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah my, my son's a teenager, I guess. So that's a little different. They're, but I thrive <clears throat> off of that stuff by that age. No, but the. By 11 or 12, you're thriving. Hey, give me more horror. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he's seen that many horror movies, actually. Boy, I had seen them oh, all I, by that age. Yeah, but I mean, in 1982, when I'm seven <laughs> years old, I went to see The Terminator in the movie theater. <laughs> My brother thought it was a good idea. <laughs> I went to go see House of Usher. When I was that age, so then he took me to I'm see, really dating myself. Then he took me to see DC Cab. He was like trying to explain to my mother. I'm a, I'm telling him, yeah, they had a flamethrower. They were catching cars on fire. My mom's like, where did you take him? But I saw it in one of the domes. That's something that's unique to California, where the Century domes. Oh yeah, I seen actually the original mm-hmm. Mad 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 World. When, at, the, at the dome theater. When they shut the when they shut the last dome down. 
Actually, I think there's one in operation in LA. But in Northern California, the last one was in Pleasant Hill. And when they shut it down, I missed the last showing. But I saw a lot of movies there. But the last showing that, that they did in that dome, it was huge. That dome was huge. So uh, It was 2001. It was the first movie they ever showed in it. Well, this one was like, it was a whole new type of cinema. Oh, yeah. And back then they used three 35 yeah. millimeter cameras to make like a surround thing. It was like, and, it wasn't uh, cinema scope. It's, um, I can't remember what kind of scope it yeah, was. Yeah, it was, some, it was like super scope. Uh, but they actually constructed the theaters just for this. Oh, yeah. It was their, their version of IMAX. And uh, you would go to the theater. And you would get a program that said intermission <laughs> oh, yeah. on it and go inside the movie theater and get that kind of experience. You know, the eeriest movie I ever watched is I went, I went to see two th- with a friend of mine. I went and saw 2001 at the, the San Francisco Symphony, and they did the score live. It's eerie. It was really eerie. But I heard something funny there. There were these people. They were they were younger, and during the inter, the intermission, they actually cut parts of the movie. I think, but during the intermission, I went to go get a coke, and these the I think they were maybe nineteen twenty years old. They were obviously film students, and it was like, oh, it's a Kubrick movie. I gotta go see two thousand and one, right? And so I'm standing in line, and they're bitching and moaning. I'm like, I know it's Kubrick, but it's so long. It's like, gosh, man, we used to go see movies that had intermissions. Oh, yeah. Four-hour pieces sometimes. The John Houston stuff, especially. Uh, well, I was thinking Caligula. <laughs> you saw and, Caligula uh, in a movie theater? Yeah, and it, it lasted like four hours. Really? You saw Caligula in a movie theater? Yeah, during the intermission, my girlfriend goes, I don't know, Dave, because it's it alternates between sex and gore. Yeah. yeah. Did you see it in an art art house movie theater? Palo Alto. Okay, yeah, that explains. Ah, uh, but she says, I It's I, a notorious film. Uh, she says, I don't know if I want to stay and watch the rest of this. And I said, oh, yeah. they're just coming up to the lesbian sister scene. I want to stay. <laughs> anyway, changing the subject. <laughs> I would like to have a show next week. <laughs> Let's just say that Caligula is an adult film for adults about an adult subject matters. <laughs> it had one of the McDowells. No, it had, yeah, it had um, uh, Malcolm. Malcolm McDowell. Yeah. Helen Mirren. Yeah. Dame Helen Mirren. Yeah, there's a lot of... Wasn't it, that made by the Hustler guy? Or? Oh, Larry Flynn? Who made that? Film? I don't know who made Caligula. It's just wow. And then, uh, and then later on, I seen like this. They cut out everything. Oh yeah, they cut out all the bad so stuff. So it turned into like just a regular ninety-minute film. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> <You know? laughs> I know. There, there were a series. Probably not good for radio. There was a series of historical epics that were made about that time. What about Andy Warhol's Frankenstein in 3D? Well, anything that Andy Warhol made, you know. Boy, that like. was like, uh, and it, it alternated between sex and gore. You know, I'll tell you that the one of my favorite movies though, is is from the I think it's from the early 70s, and it's Orson Welles. It's F is for Fake. What's the name of the movie? F is for Fake. 
No, I never saw that one. <clears throat> oh, you need to see that movie. Okay. F is for fake. All right. It's about this. It's is about he a star in it or does oh, he yes. direct it? No, he starred and directed in it. And directed. What was that movie where he played the evil magician guy? Oh, I forget the name of it. It's it's notorious. I'll find it. I you know I need to watch that. I'm off tomorrow. Maybe I'll watch that. But but uh, F is for fake. No. It's it's about it's about fraudsters, you know, and fakes, and. Uh, it alternates between this guy who faked um, fake paintings, Elmir. He faked all these paintings from like, you know, the Renaissance masters and whoever, and the guy who wrote the fake uh, diary of Howard Hughes. Okay. But when you watch it, in the beginning, he tells you, he says, I will tell you the truth for exactly, I don't know how many minutes it is. It's like, I will tell you the truth for exactly 72 minutes. But the movie's 90 minutes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that, that pretty much has been another fantabulous uh, episode of the Enigma Hours with me, Captain Tiki, I'm Olaf Phillips, and uh, good old Captain Dave. So look for that uh, tour guide. Uh, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. And a website to go along with it. Uh, and if you have anything to add or say, well, you know, that's not really obscure enough to be included. I think it's just the way you phrase it or your slant on the story. Yeah, I mean, if you think that you have something that we should put in there, Olav at, at weirdtuolumy.com and Dave at weirdtuolumy.com. Email us. Let us know. All right. Well, once again, you're listening to KADLP. Uh, 103.5 FM. We are here every Thursday, 10 p.m. to midnight. We stay up just for you. I gave you our emails. You can find and, me on Instagram. I think some of the oh, uh, huh? other people are... No, I I talked to somebody the other day, and they were commenting on what... Oh, we had Walter Bosley. Oh, yeah. And um, and they were made comments on the show. They actually they listened. They heard it. Oh really? Where yeah. were they? Where were? Did you know the? Uh, Sorry, the, we'll we'll pause the shutdown part of this so well, I can. No, hear I don't want to reveal. No, uh, no, don't reveal who sources. they. No, don't reveal sources. But you, you went to the hot dog stand and somebody's like, "Hey, Dave, that's a pretty well, good kind, show." Uh, kind of, yeah, pretty much. Oh wow. Uh, that they they no they actually made a comment on something something somebody said or something and I and then I walked away thinking just that. <laughs> Wow, they stayed up and listened. <laughs> <laughs> or they got the podcast. Hey, the, uh, oh, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. The um, Well, the guys who were here, they listened to it. Okay. Well, of course. <laughs> they were. <laughs> Possibly not. Although I haven't listened to one of those yet. Yeah, I don't. I, don't? Well, because you're in it. Oh, I know. But then I'd say, yeah. They're, don't listen to your own stuff. Says, I, I finally, so this lost film. And this woman that became an actress was in this film, and she was a kid. It was like her first kid role. And they finally found the film. Okay. And she says she got to watch it, and she was excited. This is, you know, like it was my first acting role, and I was just a little kid. Right. And uh, she said if 
If she had seen that, <laughs> she would have never went into acting. <laughs> you know, it's like Free Jack. When I was a kid, I saw Free Jack in the movie theater. It's the, I love B-movies. It's the only movie I ever got up and left. I mean, Mick Jagger on the pink APC, I'm done. So the other day, I'm, I'm telling, I'm telling my, my girlfriend, I said, hey, you want to see the worst movie ever? Free Jack. So we put it on. I turned it off after 15 minutes. I still couldn't take it. It's been it's been like 35 years. Thought it was horrible. It's been like 35 years. I still can't watch that movie. So it's it's. uh, I don't think it's bad. It's just misunderstood. No, it's bad. (laughs) It's bad. Taste the blood of Frankenstein is misunderstood. Uh, This, which is actually a really good movie. This movie, Free Jack, is just awful. So, Mick Jagger. No. I'd rather watch Slipstream. Uh, I will tell you, though, Andy Warhol's Frankenstein <laughs> well, in 3D, he, he did find some beautiful people. Uh, when well, the bride comes down on her, and, and you got 3D glasses, so it's like she's hovering right in front of you. And... Uh, Quite seductive, and then the gore comes in. Movie, movie time with Dave. Yeah, maybe, but because uh, we could only talk about it, you couldn't show it on television. No. <laughs> Where would they ever show that again? It's like Witchcraft '76. You can't show it on TV. Ah, uh, somebody would have. That was that. Dario Argento, by the way. Witchcraft '76. You can find it on Amazon. It's 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 an interesting documentary. But that's Dario Argento. I used to have like a little, I didn't have that one, but I used to have a little collection of those 50 3D movies. Oh, sure. And then I had a little set of glasses. Oh, no. A few pairs. Oh, I collect, I collect, yeah, I collect 14 movies. Um, I have a huge 16 millimeter collection. And uh, the kids would come over and they'd never experienced 3D before. Well, that's one of the things that we can do when we, you know, we should have a have the weird Tuolumne Festival. We'll we'll show the, the one, black and white three D movies. Well, not. I want to show the Outer Space Connection. Okay. Which was done by Alan Landsberg. It's narrated by Rod Serling. Oh. And it it was shot in thirty five millimeter. Okay. I have it on sixteen, but it was shot in thirty five millimeter. No, the best thing I used to you know I used to uh, work in the psych wards. And uh, I guess you can tell the one guy used to say, "Hey, if you aren't crazy when you get here, be crazy when you leave." Yeah, uh, <laughs> I had but, a psych nurse tell me that. Uh, yeah, it was like common. Yeah, there's a certain sense of humor. Yeah, too. this this guy this guy that I worked with, he was a psych nurse in England. He said the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and we all say the same <laughs> jokes too. But I had a copy of the Night of the Living Dead, sixteen millimeter. Oh, wow. That we would show at the psych ward on Halloween, Halloween night. And actually, um, I and think all, it, all the staff of the hospital went. I think we should talk about it, but I think next week is our Halloween episode. So there is a very rare, I have it on LP. There is a very rare um, recording done by. Um, Vincent Price. Vincent Price. Called, I've seen that on your wall, yeah, framed. Called, right, called Witchcraft. On and so wall. I want to play it. Okay. Yeah, I but, was going to play it. Hey. But it's Witchcraft, Demonology, and it's it's narrated by Vincent Price. It is 
it is phenomenal. Voice. Yeah, it is a phenomenal um, recording. Uh, and it, it, it really, it's perfect for Halloween. It, it gets into the witches and all that spells. You know, I saw Vincent Price do a uh, solo show as Oscar Wilde. That was probably pretty darn good. It was. All right. Well, we're we're over, oh, so okay. we better stop. Don't want to don't want to cheat people of that amazing psychedelic overnight music. Anyway, you were listening to the Enigma Hours with Captain Tiki and Captain Dave. We're here uh, 10 p.m. to midnight every Thursday live. So join us next week, and we'll explore another one of life's little mysteries. All right. Good night, everybody. <laughs>